Hey there, everyone. It's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it. I try to put it everywhere where they'll accept me. Mike Finger joining me from exitoasis.com. Mike, why are we talking today? Well, uh, David, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, You reached out after a blog post uh, that I put up about a video uh, on YouTube by Patrick Bet David, where he talked about how to sell a business. And, and this is uh, this is the it was called Valuetainment. Valuetainment, I think, is the name of his company. Yeah. Um, I I mentioned in the post that I've watched a couple of of, of Patrick's videos. Uh, I I like uh, you know some of his stuff. I haven't watched a ton of it, but I've actually shared a couple videos with friends of mine that I thought were interesting and compelling. A lot of good stuff uh, in the videos, just in terms of. Um, the energy he brings, the production value, it's, it's a compelling thing to watch. The problem was is that I actually listened to what he said and found myself at the end of that video um, wondering seriously about the value of the information that was provided, especially given the audience that's watching. Yeah, yeah. And, and the audience is one of the things that, that you and I were talking about here just a few minutes ago before we started recording. Um, because this fellow has a million subscribers on YouTube and a lot of what he's talking about is general business sales, this type of thing. And in this video, he was responding to a question from someone about selling a business. And uh, after seeing your blog post, I watched the video and I made some notes. Um, because I know stuff about this topic, um, it became very clear to me very quickly that, you know, it would be hard for somebody to get some good information from this video because, you know, here's my list, right? He talked about broker fees, for example, and the numbers he was throwing out are not numbers that I have seen at all in my career. Uh, But then he was talking about, I thought he was talking about small businesses, but then he was talking about businesses with 50 million in sales. And then he was talking about his 12-step process that everyone's going to go through, right? Which kind of created the idea of a one-size-fit-all kind of thing. Right. And then he created expectations about what a deal was going to look like, you know, and, and how someone was going to be paid at the end of the day. And he started talking about cash and stock deals, which again comes from the world of big businesses. Right, right. And it's, it's not likely going to be that many of the people in this guy's audience are people that own companies that do 50 million in sales. You think? <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe that's what they do with their time. They, you know, they sit and watch this sort of YouTube video. I, yeah, I, your list is, is, a, is a good one. It's, uh, it, there's, there's so many factual errors but I think the key that you hit on is the question of audience. Um, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a small business owner and I sit down on a Friday night and Google or go to YouTube and search uh, how to sell my business or how to sell a business or whatever, the, the, you know, whatever it is that comes out of my brain to bring that video. How to sell my own business? How to sell my own business, for example. And yeah. Because of the powers that be, this is the video that's going to pop up. Yeah. 
And okay, what is it that's, where am I at the end of this video that I wasn't at the beginning? And the big question for me is for a small business owner, is it better to be uninformed or misinformed? Because Mm -hmm. I don't think for the small business owner, which has to make up the vast majority of his audience, is it better for them to have watched this and genuinely think like he says that they now understand how to sell a business when there's just such massive gaps? There, it, yeah, It's troubling to think of what happens to the business owner that watches the information, soaks it in, believes it, and then two years later turns it into an attempt at a transaction. Yeah. There there was a, a place in the video where he said that when you reach out and he didn't he didn't use the word business broker, he used the MA banker, right? I think was his term. Yeah. Uh, again, referring to sort of a mid-market size kind of thing. So, you know, your good buddy from Lehman Brothers is going to come over and then, you know, help you sell your business kind of thing. Well, some Wall Street character. And he was saying that these people are connected to all these millionaires and billionaires who go around buying businesses for a living and they're going to go and, and write you a check. And the reality is that most businesses that get, most small businesses that get purchased get purchased by other people who have an interest in running a small business. Right. And they're not millionaires. Uh, right? They are. Right. Yeah. And they have very specific needs that that business has to have in order to be able to be sellable in the first place, right? I can't buy your business if, you know, certain, a very small number of criteria aren't there. And we both know that most small businesses aren't there. And, but again, the nice thing is after watching the video, I don't have to worry about that because it's about calling the M&A banker. And and again, I, I had mixed feelings when I watched the video for the first time and I've watched it a couple times. I love the fact that there's more information out there about this topic. You know better than anyone that there's a very limited number of people actively talking about this. Mm. And so I, when I saw it at first, I was, I was excited because I thought, you know, maybe we're getting some, so getting the news out there about some of these things. But then, uh, like I said, afterwards, you just find yourself... I, it's a personal thing for me, Dave, because I was that guy, right? I, I, I can specifically remember in the business that I built, getting to a place, I'm sitting at my desk reading an article. It tells me about how companies in my industry are generally going to sell for two times revenue. <laughs> okay. I, I close the article. I kid you not, it, it's, I, I feel like an idiot even as I say it, but I spent the next two years chasing a revenue goal because my expectation was if I reached that, I was able to convert that into a sales price and, and be on my way. Lo and behold, I reached that point and suddenly uh, learned the hard way that revenue had nothing to do with the value of my business. Revenue had nothing to do with the sellability of my business. There's a, that was a very personal example of where I consumed information. I didn't check it. I didn't, I didn't go to a hundred different places, just like I'm guessing most of the people who watch this video or any, you know, any of the content out there. And for me, that's one of the reasons why I made the, the gentle call out on this thing because it's, 
it's dangerous. It, 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 well, and, and I think I think the way that most small business owners consume this stuff, I, I think you hit the nail on the head because in my own business right here, it's uh, we're recording this a couple of days before Christmas and my phone isn't ringing as much. I'm not getting as many emails. Things are just starting to slow down here in, in yep. anticipation of the holiday. And so now I've got my different reports that I look at for my own business and I'm kind of reviewing my year and I'm starting to write things out of goals of things I want to do initiatives I want to undertake for 2019. And this is the kind of, of space that these small business owners find themselves in either in a slow time of year or maybe in the evening after the kids have been put in bed and they start to, that's the time when they're working on their business in that Michael Gerber sense, right? Cause when yep. the phone's ringing, you're, you're working with customers, you're serving people, you're, you're running your business. It's, it's that after the kids are in bed kind of time that you start to really put thought into where you want to take your business. And you're not calling the big accounting firm at 10 o'clock at night to get someone's opinion. You're using resources like blog sites and looking at videos and you're, you're trying to inform yourself. And, you're, and if you're a master plumber who knows everything there is to know about pipes and you know you barely know how to read your financial statements, you need your accountant to guide you through them at the end of the year. Yep. And you go looking for information about what it's going to be like to sell your business and you stumble across this stuff. You're right. The expectations become completely skewed. Right. And I've, I've had so many sellers in my life that I've met who had this crazy idea about the, what the value was because someone or something made them think their business was worth so much more. And the, the worst thing that happens is they misprice it and then they go, they bypass a bunch of reasonable buyers who could be the right person. Right. They scare those people off. Time goes on. And as it does, they become less energetic, less invigorated, less likely to run the business well. And then you, of course, you know what happens is you get a decline. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I think you're, you're right on target in terms of the picture of that small business owner trying to, to find that information. But I, I think it's even worse than that. I think the bad information gets fed to us even when we don't look for it, right? Because mm-hmm. what, what, uh, what purchases or acquisitions am I going to read about next, next year? It's going to be whatever Facebook gets next. It's going to right. be whatever Google does next. And it's going to reinforce those numbers. Uh, the, the video references a you know, 12 times EBITDA or a 10 times EBITDA. And it, for the small business owner who may or may not understand that term, that 10 and 12 alone sticks in my head. And now, now when you as an informed, gentle, caring broker come to me and tell me that the national average for small business is 2.5, yeah. I, I think you're nuts because I've already spent the 10 times, right? I mean, I, that's... <laughs> you, you've got a budget for your house in Florida. I do. Fishing boat. That's and, right. I, I've, and, and even if it's not extraordinary or extravagant, the difference between my belief of 750 and my and my reality of 250 um, is very different especially when i'm not i'm not likely to reach that point of finding that out until i'm so burnt out or so done with this business that you've now told me i've got a three times my earnings to get close to what it is that my financial planner said i needed to retire yeah what are the odds I'm going to pull out of that nosedive? 
Well, and, and it's funny because that, that number, that 10 or 12 times, I mean, um, you're starting to talk about a small public company at those multiples, right? right? Somebody who's trading on the, you know, a, a junior stock exchange, maybe, and it's just not relatable in any way to a small business. Um, I've had uh, valuation reports done up by, by CPAs before where they have used that kind of multiple on a small business. And the small business owner has brought it into me and, and, and I have to show them, you know, from uh, private transaction databases that we have access to like IBA and, and, um, and biz comps and things like this. And I say, look, these are really what these businesses sell for, right. you know? And, and when I, I had one and it, the accountant actually used a capitalization rate of 10, uh, 8%. And that year, the Toronto stock exchange index had achieved a rate of return of 8%. And my question back to them was, do you really think that your business has the same risk profile as the average of the companies traded on the Toronto stock exchange? Right. It, but no one has ever framed a question like that to them before. They've right. never contemplated those types of questions before. They don't understand how a buyer would frame risk. All of that conversation is completely yeah. foreign to them. And, and in their mind, they back up and they go, wait a minute, this one person who I know and trust has said, told me this, this other person who I just met is telling me something else and I don't know which way to go. And as soon as most you know, small business people reach a point where they don't quite understand what they're doing, the easiest thing to do is to retreat and let another six months slip by. Right. Or a year. Right. Right. And m what I wonder though, because you're talking about, you know, what people see in the news about Facebook or, or some big IT stock or what have you. Um, the fellow who made the video does not work every day in mergers and acquisitions. He works every day making basically media. Right, right. Making videos and and he talks about business. But what I'm wondering is maybe if he hasn't been influenced at all by these headlines and he's just regurgitating the same stuff. Right. right? I, I don't know. I think you make a good point. It, being in media and he obviously does that very well. Uh, and that uh, and the interesting thing for me is I've con you know, I've watched other of the videos. I've shared other of the videos. I've watched those videos and felt at the end that I had learned something that I knew something that I didn't know before. Mm. This is the first time where I consumed one of those videos in a space where I have experience and knowledge and found myself at the end of it thinking, did I really know what I knew before? Right. I mean, did, uh, did I really learn you, something you, the last question, few times? You questioned your experience. I did. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and this was the first time I had a basis to do so. And again, to extrapolate out from that to just content in general, I think it's, it's really hard for that small business owner, especially the one that's making an honest intention, right? They intentionally going out to try to learn. Um, it can be very difficult to find, uh, honest information, not just honest. I'm not, I, I'm not suggesting that there's not belief or uh, support for what he's saying, but it's so um, inapplicable to the audience that's watching it and the potential negativity and the impact for them. Again, one of the things I mentioned in the blog is a, a fear on my part that somebody 
that that small business owner actually believes that they now understand the process. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I love the fact he's talking about this topic. I, I, I'd love to see 15 more uh, because the, the level of undereducation about this is terrifying, especially given the impact it has on small business owners, right? We both know that this is the biggest financial transaction that most small business owners will ever experience. We also know most small business owners will never experience it because the business is not sellable or they are not prepared for sale. The the problem for me is this isn't informational. This is emotional because I've sat across the table in the public diner as I'm explaining to the small business owner that her business is unsellable, that rather than try to sell the business to someone in good conscience, I would have to tell them to go get a part-time job because they're going to make way more money than they ever would owning this business. Mm. And to see the tearful, life-changing you know, impact of them learning that too late here they've here here we pretend that we've learned it ahead of time and it's entertaining and it's compelling but for the small business owner it's just incredibly destructive well and, and you know the emotional part i think is is key because you and i know that that selling a business buying a business these things can become very emotional because business is done between people but if we're going to analyze the video and and look at the way the video has been presented. There was one part at the end where he said, <clears throat> you know, once the deal is done, you're going to get a call from your accountant. He's going to tell you that you've got $50 million in your bank account or a billion dollars in your bank account or what have you. And then you're going to go down to the ATM so you can put in your card and you can see that number on the screen. Right. And and I was thinking like, okay, it's it's a very clever way to paint a picture um, in someone's head because you can imagine yourself sit, standing in front of an ATM machine. I don't even know if there's enough pixels on the screen for a billion dollar bank balance to show up on the screen. I don't know. I don't know if it would give you some kind of error or would it convert to scientific notation? Yeah, who knows, right? Like my calculator will, you know, if, you, if the number's too long, it just gives me this weird thing that I forget from university how to read. Right. But, but um, and I'm like, so it's almost like, it's almost like, Tiger Woods saying, if you just hold the club this way and you just do this and this and this, you're going to be as good as me. Right. Right. And, and so we see these kinds of, of marketing pitches all the time. And it's, it's all based on, you know, firing up people's emotions, but then what is the end? Right. Right. And so, the guy in the video, he's, you know, he really doesn't have any uh, interest in everyone in the audience selling a business for $50 million. So what is the interest that he has? And I think it's simply an interest in keeping an engaged audience who's going to continue to, to boost the viewer count, boost the views, click the like button, etc. cetera. Um, because we're in a day and age where creating this content on a platform like YouTube is a business. Right. Right. And these guys have commercials inserted in the videos and they're trying to make sure they get as many videos viewed as possible because they're getting a, a fraction of a penny every time someone, I don't even know what they earn. I've got mine turned off, but they're, they're trying to create that viewership and they're trying to create that excitement. And it's almost like the Mark Zuckerberg 
and the whole, I'm going to build a business. I'm going to be a founder. I'm going to sell my own business one day. I'm going to sell my business. It's almost like how kids in the 1950s would have idolized Babe Ruth. Yep. Absolutely. And it's done incredibly effectively, right? He, he, he does what he does well and, you know, more, more power to him for that. Uh, it's aspirational, right? I, I, I didn't buy my outdoor jacket that would, that, that, you know, that has enough insulation to take me to the top of Everest because I'm going to the top of Everest. It's because I want to, it's a better story to learn about my 15 or a $50 million payout than it is to learn that it's unlikely I'm going to get any payout at all. And, yeah. and to your point, it's all over. I mean, my, one of my favorite is the, uh, is the industry common message that um, we will help you get the most money possible for your business. Well, why wouldn't I go to this broker or this planner or whoever's going to help? What they don't mention is that they can only help 10%, yeah. right? Because the other 90 aren't going to sell the business in the first place and aren't going to make it past the first five minutes of the screening phone call. Uh, Again, there's nothing wrong with that. We accept that it's not the world's best cup of coffee in the window of the diner as, as we slide in, as long as we can recognize that it's marketing. I think what's different about this one is that it's appropriately labeled valuetainment, right? This is entertainment. <laughs> it's, it's entertainment. You're, and you're right. I, you're right. It, it, I, I don't think they're hiding that. And so if I approach this from the perspective that I'm going to be entertained and maybe educated, but I don't think that's how we, we, we get told at the front that this is going to teach you how to sell your business. And it doesn't do that. I, I, so, so here's, here's then a question is, are what we talking about actually, uh, is it, are we talking about media literacy? Um, which was a term that I was just introduced to about 10 years ago or so. But I remember, you know, you, you watch a film and all of a sudden everything's in black and white. And if you're watching this film and, and it's, everything's in color, then all of a sudden there's this scene, it's in black and white, doesn't seem to fit. We might realize, oh, this is like a memory. Sure. Or, or this is a flashback. Or yeah. this is the character is remembering something that happened, right? My mother, you know, who, who was 40 years older than me, um, when she would sit and watch a movie and that kind of thing happened, she would say, I don't understand what, what's going on now. How come, where does that guy come from? And, and because she grew up in a world of books and radio and television was, was newer and simpler and she never really developed all of that understanding of how to absorb the content and, and make sense of it the way that I did growing up in a world of Star Wars and, and, and big feature films. And, I think that the new generation, the millennial generation, who's grown up with the internet, they have a different level of media literacy, right? So, so they, they see and they watch these things yet again with another level of understanding of, of what is the world's greatest cup of coffee and what is not. However, the people who are business owners who may potentially be selling businesses are not millennials generally, right? Yep. They're, they're in that older cadre, right? They're, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And so, so I think this is a, a um, I think this might be the, the thing that I'm getting out of it is that he's making this thing. It's great. It's going to get a lot of views. You and I agree that if somebody trusts it, it's going to be dangerous. The big part of his viewership 
they may not hang their hat on what he's saying at all. Uh, right. Very, very true. Yep. But the message could end up sticking somewhere else and hurting someone. You know, it's, it's really interesting that you say that because the, the final conclusion of thinking this through for me wasn't shame on him. It was shame on me. Shame on me for thinking with those previous videos that I had watched that I had really learned something that I was fully informed simply because I'd watched. Because when I applied that same approach to this video in a space where I have a background and knowledge and understanding and realized how big of a gap there was between what was being shared and what my life experience was or what everyone else that I deal with in this space has experienced. It was shame on me, to your point. Mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a form of entertainment, as an engagement, I love it. I'll watch more of his videos. I'm not, uh, I'm not off um, uh, Pat, Patrick Bet David. I am off consuming it with the expectation that I now understand. It's almost like watching cooking like a cooking show on TV. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You you watch the guy with 25 years experience make the perfect pizza dough, and he has five ingredients, and he just does this, that, and the other thing, and you're like, wow, that's easy. Yep. No, it's a, I think that's a great analogy because I. Well, my wife forces me to watch some of those shows and some of them are very entertaining, but I don't get done with it and go, I now know yeah. how to make the perfect souffle, right? I, I, I have no expectation of that outcome. And to your point, maybe the viewers don't have that expectation. Maybe it's entertainment, maybe it's education light, but they know that they still, and, and if, again, what a fabulous outcome. If, if somebody watches the video and it inspires them to need to learn more about this topic, uh, then, you know, standing applause from me for the, uh, uh, for the video. Um, because again, we're, we're back to that small business owner who is sitting at their desk. How do I sell my business? You know, how do I sell a business? Uh, asking basic questions. Yeah. They come here, consume. First step, fabulous. Only step, disaster. Yeah. Mike, if, uh, if people are interested in uh, following your blog regularly or learning some more about exiting and, and planning to take a business through an exit, where can they find you? They can find, a, uh, they can find me and, and those that contribute at exitoasis.com. Our tagline is learn to leave. We're not about pushing anyone to the sale of a business. We're about helping people learn uh, how to sell a business or how to build a business they can sell when they want the way they want. Right. And if you want to learn how to sell a business, you don't look on YouTube, you look on Amazon. Well, of course. Because that's where my book, How to Sell My Own Business, is available <laughs> as a, a paperback, Kindle, and audiobook now. Um, and um, yeah, and it's davidcbarnett.com, of course, is where you can find my stuff. Mike, it was great to talk with you again. And uh, thank you so much. And I know we're going to have you back again sometime soon. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. All right.